Welcome to Coffee to Go, where we center ourselves in the scriptures and seasons and holy days of the Christian tradition. I'm Karen Peter, here with Blake Smith, and we welcome you on this journey. So, where are we this week? So, this is the last Sunday of Advent, and this year it actually falls on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is a Sunday, and so it's the last Sunday before Advent, so we will be uh, not looking at a week of experiencing, but uh, we'll have a shortened fourth week of Advent. So as we prepare to receive Jesus, the light of peace into the world tomorrow on Christmas Day, we need to first spend a little time with Mary, a teenage girl betrothed, but not yet married, as she learns she shall carry and deliver the Son of God. So as we've Gone through Advent this year. This is kind of our first visit with Mary. So uh, I'm glad we're doing that since it would have been kind of hard to have the story without her. So, without her. <laughs> so let's hear about this encounter that Mary has as she learns she will carry and deliver Jesus. All right. Well, our scripture comes from the gospel according to Luke, the first chapter, the 26th through the 38th verse. In the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Well, why does this matter on Christmas Eve? And we (laughs) could spend probably hours and hours and hours talking about all the reasons that it matter. But a couple that stick out for me, Karen, are, first of all, this is Mary, a young girl, who gets this unexpected visit with an angel and is told she's been chosen for a divine task. Make a note here that when we hear favored in the scripture, it's uh, referring to being chosen, not not special. Um, But it's a girl. Actually, in the Gospel of Luke, it's the women who are the heroes, Mary and Elizabeth. uh, Like you said at the beginning, it's good that we have this passage about Mary, because without the women, we would not have this story. Well, I guess we could say if we read 
without God, with God, nothing is impossible. However, I think they seem pretty critical. Okay, it wouldn't be a good story. Let's put it, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't, no, it wouldn't be as good a story. So, I mean, this whole thing, of course, to to marry this young virgin seems completely unbelievable. Um, but she's she asks some questions. She doesn't just humbly or quietly or submissively um, step back and take it. She asks some questions, and then she agrees. She makes the decision. Um, that she chooses to be a servant or slave to God. And, and slave of God is a moniker uh, which also describes Moses and Elijah and other female and male figures throughout the scriptures. So you know, religion and popular culture has turned Mary into a precious, precious moments figurine. And oh, I don't, the little sweet, cute, little ceramic figurines. Yeah. Yes. And, and I love precious moments figurines, you know, the pure, harmless, meek, lovely, everything's perfect. Um, but when we, when we read the stories, um, this was not a clean, perfect, pure, milky white. Everything is, is great. I mean, the birth narrative in itself is, is, although it is in precious moments, is not a precious moment in, in the same sense. Well, and like, I just have to interject here. Seriously, if we're going to talk about being pregnant at, at nine months and riding a donkey on a long journey, it's like this, this has some complications that Mary might not have been aware of going in. <laughs> this was going to happen because when you read the scripture, what I'm hearing for the first time is really different than what I've heard in the past. So when you read that the angel came and said, greetings, favorite one, the Lord is with you. And she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this would be. In my mind, I see her like arms crossed, eyebrows furrowed down, tapping her <laughs> foot like, what are you talking about? And and I see her kind of putting the angel in this position of trying to convince her. Well, here's yeah. what can happen. And even Elizabeth, I mean, it can happen, Mary. Trust me, it happened to Elizabeth. Look what happened. And she's like, no. And he, and the angel continues to kind of talk her into it. And that's how I hear it now as an older female. Um, and that's different than I heard it when I was growing up. And I like this new Mary in, that lives in my imagination when I saw her as you read it today. Who's who's saying, wait a minute, first of all, who are you? Second of all, no, that's not the way it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? And by the way, did you catch I'm not married yet? You want me to have that on me as well? I mean, right. yeah, just the whole right. it's, it's It's hard enough being a woman in this culture. Try being unwed and pregnant. Yes. Um, Yes. Not not good. So yeah, she gets some props uh, from the feminist perspective here, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, but in the end, it tells us a little bit about God, too, I think. Is, is uh, First of all, we learn a lot about Mary if we really look at it honestly. But we also learn some things about God. God chooses whom God chooses. And it's not about status. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have been a whole lot more lowly. I mean, she was at least Jewish, right? But um, young, female, unmarried, I, her value hasn't even come yet because she has not married and, you know, and become part of the male lineage Absolutely. kind of thing and contributed to that. So but God chooses who God chooses. And 
probably more importantly, is that God invites, not coerces or forces. Yes. So there's an invitation from Gabriel, and it might seem strong. And certainly, as you said, sounds like he did try to convince her because she was not going to just go easily. But ultimately, it was her choice. Mm-hmm. It's her choice to follow, and it's our choice to follow God and to do what God is calling us to. Um, and then ultimately, God sends uh, this promise of the Spirit to be the companion in the midst of this. So it's not calling us to these things alone. Um, and certainly we see that in the story that yeah. the Holy Spirit is there with Mary. One of the things that that I just want to pull out of this, and I and I do say, you know, acknowledge that the women here are the heroes, but this idea that God chooses whom God chooses, I would just want our listeners, um, it's not just about male or female either. I mean, I think it's about regardless of gender identity, um, God chooses us and can call us um, regardless of what the expectation is of the culture or that kind of thing. This is this is good news for all of those who would be in relationship with God, that God can call us and use us. So a couple questions, um, because in this, as always, God turns the table on us and and makes us think about God in, in new ways. Um, I think it would be good for us to ask ourselves the question, how is God inviting me to birth something new in my life? Mm. How is God calling me to birth something new? In my life, of course, thinking of birth as something larger than giving birth to a child, um, God works in a lot of different ways. And so uh, what does that look like for each of us? What are the expectations or the assumptions about God that I may need to reevaluate? <laughs> I think Mary had to do some reevaluation here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She agreed. And, um, and yeah, I do think some of the points you made earlier are, are, are things that, that we do need to reevaluate. We make assumptions from these stories because we've heard them so many times that we have a hard time looking at them anew. But looking at this in a new way brought new understandings about God's relationship with us that will stay with me, um, for some time. So, yeah. Yeah, so maybe if we if we take a look at Mary's experience and really think about what is what is meaningful, what part of that experience or is it the whole experience? What there might be just a piece of that experience that is meaningful to you in your journey. And so to think about why that is and how this particularly connects with you uh on this Christmas Eve. Absolutely. Well, Blake, thanks for um, having us hang out with Mary for a little bit. Um, we're not going to do uh, how to experience it this week simply because Christmas Day is tomorrow and we will be back with you then um, with another coffee to go. But I'm wanting to close us with a blessing. It's a little bit of a long one, but uh, stick with me here. It's called a parent's Advent prayer, which I think is 
perfect for the transition from Advent to the birth of Jesus. It's by Ariane Braithwaite Lane in Starlight and Ash, Prayers for the Chaos and Grace of Life. God, I now stop what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm scrambling to plan and hustling to finish so that I can be here. Be here in the safety and warmth of your love, this love that holds me fast and keeps me centered. What I want to be a season of joy for my children so quickly becomes a season of increased expectations for me. Not because they expect things, but because I do. It's the pressure I put on myself to make things perfect and memorable and happy and special. But you came to me amidst darkness and stars, reminding me how darkness and light are most beautiful together. And in that holy, mysterious, and messy night, you redefined perfection promising me that leaning into the mystery and laying down in loving awe compose the most faithful response. You tell me the best gift I can give my children this Christmas is to look with love in their eyes and pause throughout the day to pray over them and envelop them with arms of fierce grace when I feel most angry or annoyed, to sit and wonder for a moment, or many, and marvel at all that shaped our family this year, to give thanks, and to allow tears to fall, and dreams to rise, to take my pilgrim band by their hands, and walk together, deep into the heart of Bethlehem, shining bright within our souls, And this will be more than enough because you have made a manger in which my heart will rest and find your heartbeat becoming mine. Amen. Amen. That's a a great blessing to send us off here on this Christmas Eve. On behalf of Karen and I and all of the team here at Project Zion Podcast and Coffee to Go, we wish you a blessed Christmas season. As we move into this new season, may you be blessed. And we invite you, of course, to join us next time here at Coffee to Go for our next part of the journey through the liturgical seasons and holy days of the Christian tradition. Mm -hmm.